everybody. So we are here to talk about the latest episode of Star Trek Discovery. Uh, this one is called C.V. Pacum Rarabellum. So it's a, a little bit of Latin there. And uh, my friend Tom is here to talk about it. Howdy. Yeah. And <clears throat> so this one, uh, you know, last week we had what I would say was a really fun episode. Uh, was a really well-written fun episode. This one, I think, is a little more sort of nuts and bolts. There's a lot packed into this. It's less like flashy fun. Uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, but I, I really enjoyed it, and it's, a, I think, a really good sort of lead-up to our mid-season uh, finale next week. Yeah, um, I, uh, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I, I think I would have appreciated it better, though, if they had gone back to the convention of labeling episodes that are two parts part one and part two now i get that i get that this mm. is like a, a a whole thing but i felt a little bit disoriented throughout and i think it was because i didn't understand the arc of the episode and what yeah i had to watch it a couple of times to really get my finger on exactly what all was happening <clears throat> excuse me exactly what all was happening so yeah i i actually agree with you there it, it was a little confusing at times about what what was going on and i kind of i i had to sort of read uh, a little bit uh some of the summaries and some of the other reviews and then i'm like oh okay that was going on there cv pacum parabellum means if you want peace prepare for war right so that's a, an interesting uh quote and so we have like so we have kind of a lot going on uh it's, it's sort of jumping all over the place but uh it starts out with this uh ship uh that they're they're in this this battle uh and this ship gets lost it gets uh taken out by the klingons in the the gagarin right gagarin yeah and uh they the problem the main sort of problem is that the klingons have this cloaking uh ability for all of their ships and uh there so that's sort of the the problem they're trying to solve is how do we defeat the klingons when they have this ability to be invisible and uh and so that sort of starts them on this uh, uh on this trek i guess uh to they end up on this planet trying to find uh this i guess energy that will help them to be able to uh to detect these uh, cloaked ships. And uh, you have Burnham and uh, Ash and Saru that are there. Mm-hmm. And so this planet, uh, all of this, this, it's like a living planet. And I, I thought about a little bit about, um, about Genesis a little bit in, in this, you know, how that in the, in the movies that, that was like a the whole planet was like a, a sort of a living planet it kind of reminded me of that well the way, yeah the thing with genesis it wasn't it didn't have any sentience right it didn't it, you couldn't talk to it but um it it did grow incredibly fast so it did seem to have a, a sense of like oh this thing almost has a mind of its own but this this place literally does have a mind of its own mm-hmm. yeah yeah and uh, it it's uh, it has a it vibrates this this planet and uh, it's it's something that is very very hard for saru to deal with uh he he can't handle the noise 
It, it, He's a dog on the planet of the dog whistles. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good way to describe it. Yeah. And uh, so it, it's really starting to get at him. And uh, they're called the, uh, the um, Pav- Pava, Pava, I think. Parva or Pava? I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's really struggling. And uh, the, the, there's an interesting thing where they talk about that the Klingons are not seeking peace. The Klingons are seeking superiority. That's their main goal. And so that makes them uh, a, a, a particularly hard uh, enemy, I guess, to, def- to defeat. Who ends up uh, kind of contacting the, the, uh, the Pava and it, it's basically kind of overtakes him. And uh, I don't know, what did you think about all of this with Saru and, the, and this, uh, this energy and sort of his arc in, in this episode? Well, what I appreciated about this is that there were a lot of Star Trek tropes being employed here. Um, mm-hmm. The of an entity that's like not really embodied. Uh, that uh, that goes back to the original series, um, several episodes of the original series. I like I sort of know, was being signaled by that, but also Saru being sort of creepy <laughs> after he's after he's had his experience uh, mm-hmm. making contact with them. Um, that was really familiar. Um, if you want to do your homework on that, uh, check out this side of paradise, um, mm-hmm. where, uh, they, they go to this, it's a, it's an episode where they go to this planet where there are these, uh, there's a colony that's about to be exposed to, um, deadly radiation or that's being exposed to deadly radiation and they need to be evacuated. When they get there, they find that everybody's happy and everything's fine. And what radiation, what, you know, we don't need to worry about that. We've got, we're, we're, we, these spores protect us. And the spores make you kind of happy and goofy and, and um, spacey. And Spock gets a hit of it, right? And that's when things really hit the fan. Mm-hmm. Um, and Spock suddenly becomes happy, spacey, goofy, hippie Spock. Um, even falls in love, right? And, and so um, we've been trained, I've been trained by Star Trek to not trust someone who comes back saying, oh, everything is so groovy. <laughs> Like right. Star Trek has sort of <clears throat> set us up for to distrust that. And actually I think they're playing with that here, both with Stamets to some extent and with, um, mm. and, and in this episode with Saru. Yeah. yeah I really liked the, uh, I wrote down some dialogue they had between him and Burnham. And Burnham says, uh, is this what harmony and balance looks like? Which I thought was interesting. And he says, uh, and uh, and Saru says, "You've taken, uh, you've taken everything from me. You won't stop taking." So I thought that was interesting. You know, sort of this, uh, this resentment that he has for Burnham, and uh, that, uh, he, you know, she, she, in his eyes, she's uh, a taker of a piece and a taker of, and uh, and then Burnham says, "I, uh, let's see." I would give anything for a millisecond of peace, but until the war is done, we can't have it. And trying to kind of cling on to this, this feeling he has where it's sort of an idealism versus realism kind of thing, which is, is a very Trek sort of thing. And, uh, yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, I, uh, you're, you're bringing up a good point is that you kind of got me pondering. Um, okay. So what is, what is Burnham's nature? Well, you, you know, the thing is, Burnham didn't understand herself in, in, uh, 
in the battle mm -hmm. of the binary stars. She didn't understand what she was capable of, and she didn't understand what her motivations for things actually were. She's even asked, you know, what are you doing this because of logic or because of um, revenge? And she says, I don't know. She really doesn't know. Mm -hmm. She doesn't know herself, and she's not paying attention to the little things. And so, you know, unfortunately, sorry, Saru, but imperfection mm -hmm. is going to doom harmony. You know, the, the, the small imperfections magnified across a whole network um, are a disaster. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Well, and she says, we seek harmony, but we face a threat that doesn't share that goal. So, yeah, it's sort of this realist person who's, who's like seen the other side of things and she knows, you know, that this is, this is what we have to do. But, uh, but, you know, she wants it to, she wants harmony. She wants things, but she has to be a realist versus the idealist who is hopeful for, uh, for, to not have those painful experiences. So it's, it's an interesting thing. And it's, it's also some compounded by, I think, an interesting uh, subplot or thread of this episode where you have sort of the realization or burn the realization that like when the war is over, she has to go back to prison. Right. And so there's this interesting pull on her, I think. Right. Yeah. So she, she has, she's learned from her experience, right. That uh, you, if you don't move towards harmony with intention, the, your, all your efforts will be doomed to fail because I think she was sort of, as second of command under under Captain Giorgio, I think she felt like it was all in it was all in someone else's hands. There was Sarek. It was all in his hands. Mm -hmm. um, and now she's realizing she has to she's beginning to realize that she has to be an active agent to uh, to pursue peace, to pursue harmony. Mm -hmm. That it isn't just going to happen by itself. Yeah. Yeah. And that she she was with Giorgio, like she was actively trying to, you know, to prevent, uh, to be, she was sort of trying to be sort of an activist, like be the first one to strike. And, uh, and yeah, that obviously didn't work very well. Uh, but you know, so now she's, she's, it's, it's an interesting sort of perspective of, uh, well, you got to kind of finish it off, but here she's got this two sides of her because when she, when it does finish, when it's over, she's, she's, she has to leave discovery. So I don't, know, it's an interesting, it's an interesting duality that they have going on with her character. I think. Another thing going here, another dynamic here in play is uh, instinct versus um, intention. Mm. And, um, you know, uh, reptilian brain versus um, front brain. Uh, mm. Because Saru, he, he sort of represents that, uh, that aspect of instinct. Um, because he's instinctively aware of threats, instinctively aware of danger, right? Um, and it's th it's being instinctive that got Michael in this mess in the first place. Mm -hmm. That yeah. just following your instincts did not pay off so right. well. Right. <clears throat> that's that's a good way to describe it. That's that's right. Uh, so it, it, it's also sort of interesting. What did you think of the scene between Ash and Burnham? They have their kiss and. Did you think it was a little fan servicey? The the needs of the many are worth fighting for. A little, but I think that in a, in a weird way that it, um, that the the use of that line and the way they used it um, mm -hmm. sort of exemplify exemplifies what this Star Trek show and what all future Star Trek should try to do. It should try to 
right, it should acknowledge what came before, but elaborate. It should it should be de deepening it, um, and not just discarding it or pretending it didn't happen. Or and and not just and I'm not talking about canon here. I'm talking about just the ideas mm -hmm. of Star Trek, mm -hmm. the the philosophies in Star Trek. Yeah, and I think that I think they're doing that here pretty effectively. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I can see what you're saying. So we get a couple other storylines in here going while they're on the the planet uh we have uh cornwell we finally get an update on her and uh so there's this klingon uh i forget her name uh that is trying to convince uh cornwell that she wants to defect by that for a second no, not really, but like it, she's just so full of half truths that like, it's, I didn't know which way was up with her. Frankly, like at the end I was, yeah, maybe this is part of the problem for me is that like with, with Laurel, I felt like Lorel, uh, I had no idea which way was up with her. Um, <laughs> that sort of goes with the Alice in Wonderland motif that's been addressed earlier. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> yeah, sometimes up is down, right? Um, Laurel goes out of her way to make up down. Um, and yeah, I just don't know what to make of any of that. I don't, I don't know if, um, that's, this is where I was confused. So mm -hmm. Laurel drags, um, Cornwell to a room where apparently they stack dead bodies on the Klingon ship. Like instead of a morgue, they just have a body pile somewhere. Um, and, uh, which, you know, gross, but okay. That's pretty Klingon, I guess. <laughs> um, but is she dead or is she just out? Because Laurel probably has some interest in keeping her alive, but out of, but off of Cole's radar, right? So that would that it would make a certain amount of sense. Mm. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I wasn't sure either. That's true. That's a good point. I mean, she she claims that she wants to end all, end all of the Klingons, and and yeah, uh, yeah, you're right. She is so Cornwall is left for dead, and uh, but yeah, I can't imagine that. Uh, that she really is dead. I don't know. That seems like would be a weird. I hope way. not. That would be a really weird way to end that character. <laughs> yeah, I, I, and actually, the more I think about, it, the, the more I doubt it. Especially the way they were talking about her in After Trek, there wasn't any sense of like, well, that was a good run, you know. Yeah. I mean? like, <laughs> um, that so yeah, they sort of show their hand in After Trek to some extent, but. Mm. Okay, that's interesting. Which, by the way, while we're on the subject of Cornwell, um, I ran across a weird fan theory the other day. So, you know the episode Leafy? Uh-huh. Um, there is a character on an original series episode named Leafy. And she's, um, in, in that episode, the setting is a, a, a penitentiary. It's a prison. It's a prison. And one of the inmates has been reformed and is now actually one of the counselors there. And she shares a lot of physical characteristics with Admiral Cornwell. Um, and her name, she's introduced as Leafy. And mm. there's a fan theory that, well, she kind of had her memory wiped and she, you know, because that's, that's what the device did in the episode is it wipes people's memories, painful memories. And, um, so the, the theory goes that Leafy in that episode is Admiral Cornwell. Um, so, okay. I don't know. <laughs> I guess we'll, it's one of the things I'll like it. It might well be, but I don't know. Sort of a stealth TOS character hmm. 
in the episode, which I think would be kind of cool. But Yeah, that would be interesting. That would be really interesting. So, yeah, so that was kind of that, uh, that part of the story. So the Klingons are up to no good. Uh, and, uh, uh, and then the other storyline that you had going was you have Stamets, who the tardigrade is starting to get to him and uh it he uh it at one point he refers to uh um tilly as the captain Mm -hmm. and then he gets very kind of angry with her and upset and he tells she tells him that he needs to report to the doctor but being the doctor is his partner uh he he doesn't want to do that because it'll put him in this position of uh that uh, this sort of no win position right what do you think of that um yeah that was interesting um so we see uh groovy stamets get turned into wor- worried stamets um <laughs> so uh, yeah i guess we were we were right to some extent to distrust groovy stamets but um uh not for the reasons that we might have thought <laughs> you know there it's I, I laugh now when i look back at um that episode with the mirror and uh, you know that odd moment where like he turns around but the mirror image is staring back and yeah all the theories of oh it's the mirror universe and going off now that maybe that it'll prove that eventually that there was some merit to that but now now right now it looks kind of silly mm. so um but yeah with that I, I thought that was interesting um i like that um the the relationship with the doctor is serving a purpose in the story and it's not just mm-hmm. oh we have an openly gay couple on the show which you know okay fine but it's not just they're not just checking a a, a, a box for right. correctness that's serving the story mm-hmm. yeah that's true i mean are there are there usually like couples like this in star trek like in this way that they've had in this uh, season oh that's a good question not in not in a way that uh, where like there's th- this much direct conflict. Like I, I Bolana Torres and and Tom Paris had a, a a relationship and even got married in um, in Voyager. Um, that's the the only other like where they're really actually a couple, not just will they won't they. There was a lot of will they won't they in Next Gen. Mm-hmm. Oh wait, no, there was another relationship in Deep Space Nine. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, there was no. Well, yeah, you know what? I, 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 if I had the same encyclopedic knowledge of Deep Space Nine that I have of some of the others, I might be able to tell you which episode and what. But um, yeah, they have. It's not. This isn't totally new ground. Mm, okay. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting too. I, I kind of like the fact that they have made the. Uh, the gay character like a, a flawed character who makes mistakes and i i think that uh that that's good you know like you don't want to have uh sometimes it's tempting i think to make somebody that maybe is a minority character or something like that to make them a paragon of virtue uh and so i i think it it's interesting what what they've done with stamets character and uh and uh you know i'm i really don't know exactly what's going to happen i i feel like there's uh, a lot of interesting things they could do with it. So I'm really curious to see uh, what happens in the next episode and even continuing on to the rest of the season. Exactly. Uh, I could see him going kind of, I could see 
him it being affecting him and in, in not in, I don't think he'd go evil, but like it's sort of a bad side of him coming out. I could see him. I know I could just see a lot of different things kind of happening in this next episode with him. Yeah, I like that they're 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 really seem to be going out of their way to test these characters and push them to their limits. Yeah, it's good to see. Yes, the there's like this um, transmitter that's part of the planet itself, and I, I thought that the whole sort of the design of the planet was pretty cool. And I you know I think the um, uh, the just the production values once again are just so strong in this show, and it just looks cinematic in a way that is very impressive i think and this just felt very immersive and you really got the feeling of this uh i don't know this planet i thought it looked really cool and i thought it was cool the way this transmitter like it it was like part tree and part like uh i don't know part electric (laughs) yeah this is easily visually the coolest planet star trek has ever done like where Mm -hmm. they they go land because it i mean with with TOS and even a lot of next gen and DS9, there was a lot of like, oh well, we're clearly in a studio, and here's here's some stuff we got from the greens department, and sure, it's alien, <laughs> go with it. Um, no, this really felt alien, and they used a real location. It felt yeah, it was very convincing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, and so uh, Burnham tries to set up her like transmitter there to try to contact the discovery to try to get help uh but then there's uh that's when saru comes back and i i really liked uh he said uh we are born afraid us kelpians my whole life i have never known a moment without fear uh and and i don't know i just thought that was interesting because he hasn't seemed like a really fearful character up to this point to me right yeah uh, I, th- I think if if you um live in that feeling at all times you'd have to function <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah well and and i think because he says that the 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 pava took away his fear and that was just like a- an incredible experience for him and uh, that he talks about the freedom that he feels and so it may be the kind of thing that you don't sort of realize what's been wrong until uh until you're free from it yeah yeah kind of used to it and and then it almost becomes sort of intoxicating this new sort of feeling uh, that you have yeah i can i can identify with that like if, if you've got pain that's been persistent and then it suddenly goes away or I had my ears cleaned out once. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was hearing the full range, you know, and it, um, <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I can identify with that feeling, but like it, oh, there's something uh, oddly kind of simultaneously humorous and heartbreaking about his reaction to coming out of that and, and his reaction to Burnham, like, you were a monster. <laughs> like I couldn't help but laugh a little bit. Is, yeah. Like, <laughs> his his bitterness towards her but at the same time like that like well well okay get it buddy that would suck yeah it was very a a very relatable moment because i don't know you just think that uh when when you're when you're used to a certain i don't know a certain type of of control or a certain type of 
behavior and then you you get to experience something new or the sort of the other side it it can be a very exhilarating thing and so i can imagine how he would feel especially when he's basically kind of under a i mean i got the feeling that like the way that he would breathe it in and everything that it was also there's some kind of um uh chemical control that this planet is having over him too so that's an interesting thought yeah to me yeah, no, that's an, that's a very interesting thought, and we may not be wrong yet about the planet being sinister, um, mm-hmm. or or having some sort of weird sideways intent, uh, because mm-hmm. it's not over. The story is not finished. Yeah, and another scene where Laurel in the Klingons, she tries to align with Cole. I think it uh-huh. is, uh-huh. and uh, but then but he he detects that she's lying, that she's not being uh being real with him and uh so there's sort of a scene there and for me that didn't quite play the way they meant it they intended mm. i think i i was quite confused by oh he's painting her face she's she's in right yeah uh, he was thinking the same thing but then he says okay you liar go away you know we're gonna we're gonna have our way with you um and i was like wait wait what like so why did you just paint her face? Like, you know what I mean? It felt like um, giving someone the Medal of Honor and then giving him a dis- dishonorable discharge immediately. Like, it just made no sense. Um, but in this, I guess you could see it from the point of view of like, oh, he was marking her, you know, or something like, or it, it, like was a, it was supposed to be humiliating. Mm. Yeah, I... Uh, establish dominance by painting your enemy with your colors and then dismissing them or i don't know maybe yeah i'm not sure but it could be something like that some kind of sort of almost something to shame her a little bit like a scar kind of a thing Uh uh kind of a feel i'm not sure but let me see what happens with her with cornwell if if cornwell uh you know was it is really dead i guess and uh you know what happens with these all these this cloaking device if they're able to really use the um sonar uh, to the the pava as sort of pavo is sonar i don't know it'd be interesting to see what happens uh, yeah the way it's kind of looking is is uh it's sort of right now it sort of resembles two original series episodes where very powerful alien forces interfere with Klingon Federation conflicts mm. either and, and cause peace to happen for some reason. Like mm. it's a very ham fisted, like, uh, why are you fighting us? You guys shouldn't be fighting each other in the first place. You know, it, what's wrong with you? And, the, and then the moral of the story is, Oh, of course we shouldn't fight. Right. Um, or you kind of have this alien, all powerful alien who steps as a, in as a parental figure and stops the fighting. It's shaping up to remind us of that. But knowing Discovery, they're going to take it sideways. They're going to take that and do something. It's not going to be that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Uh, that's basically what the IGN review, they gave an 8.5. They liked this episode pretty good. And uh, they said that, um, they said, uh, CV Packham Parabellum is a very nice mix of old and new Star Trek styles. Taking the Klingon War arc and all the attendant drama of that situation and grafting 
on to it a planet-based story that is about that is about as TOS Trek as it gets. Mm-hmm. Uh, it all managed to set up next week's mid-season finale as well, though the episode does suffer from some confusing Klingon threads that hopefully will be cleared up soon. So basically the same uh, with I think as we feel. Uh, I'm glad I wasn't the only one confused because I felt dumb. But. <laughs> No, <laughs> you definitely weren't. And uh, the our grumpy uh, friend over at Forbes was pretty was less grumpy than maybe some of them. He, he says, uh, "Jury's still out on this episode," according to him. <laughs> <laughs> Which clearly that's probably the best you could expect from him. <laughs> yeah, I love you from him. Yeah. He says, "I liked the like, overwhelming power associated with the cloaking device, as it really would be this much of a game changer." I loved the character development of Saru, and I think the ethical questions being raised are interesting, although I'd like to see them addressed more directly. But perhaps that's me wanting a throwback to the bygone eras of Picard and Cisco, and a show that demonstrates rather than alludes to these issues. So he says, for what it is, the eighth episode of Star Trek Discovery uh, sets up an incredible battle very well. The next one will be for all the marbles, so there you go <laughs> so yeah, yeah i'm excited are you excited for the finale yeah yeah i'm looking forward to it look i, I well and, and now that i I've, i sort of see what they've been setting up here and what they're trying to remind us of i'm going oh what are they going to do what are they going to do with this yeah yeah i'm really curious to see uh how they take all these pieces uh and uh and gives i'm sure it'll end on some degree of a cliffhanger but hopefully we get some answers also so uh i I, you know i'm looking forward to it and i don't know do you know when it comes back uh is it like i assume i had it i I have it in my head that it's something like february or march or something but yeah uh, i don't know so that will be fun all right well great uh yeah i mean i'd give this one like uh I think I agree with IGN. I give this one like an 8.5. It kind of depends a little bit on how it all wraps up. <laughs> yeah. uh, but as a, as a per first half, I, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought that, uh, I think it's Doug Jones, I think is his name, but it's true. Uh-huh. I thought he did a, an excellent job uh, in those scenes. I, I, and I, I just like that they're finally acknowledging the fact that, that uh, Burnham has to go back to prison. Uh, you know, there's just, that's sort of a weird duality of of war and almost not wanting the war to end like how can she keep herself uh from having that feeling uh, it's kind of kind of interesting and uh, i kind of like that they that they acknowledge that in this episode well i think that shows that um there is something really beautiful and noble about her spirit in the sense that um she's not in it for some prize right she's not she doesn't have a heaven waiting for her on the other side of this all she wants is peace. She wants peace of mind. She wants um, to be able to sleep at night. And if she can end this war, I think her hope is that that's what she'll get. Mm-hmm. Not not a lake, not a house by by Lake Shasta, um, but just being able to sleep at night. She'll take that. But there's got to be a little side of her that also doesn't want it to end because then she has to go back to prison. Oh yeah, yeah, and that's what makes it all so cool. So, yeah, yeah, definitely complicated. Uh, yeah <laughs> all right cool well uh, ha- uh oh, sorry well we'll look forward to talking next week and uh so where can people find you um my uh main twitter feed is at almano, Ro- almano robato um and uh 
if you want to look in on my uh, poetry collection about Disneyland in progress, I've been posting uh, photos of Disneyland and samples of my poems on at Happy Place Poems. So thank awesome. you. Yeah, we'll have uh, links for all that in the description section. You can check it out. And you can find me at Smiling LDS Girl on social media and at uh, Rachel's Reviews on iTunes and YouTube. And uh, yeah, we're, uh, we're going to have this upcoming Saturday. We'll have our latest uh, Blockbuster Bracket Tournament uh, podcast, which I'm really excited about. Uh, and we're going to be taking on 90s movies. And so that should be really fun. So there's lots of fun stuff uh, going on. Also, I will be seeing Murder on the Orient Express uh, on uh, Thursday, I think. And so look forward to that. So thank you for joining me. And uh, we, we will uh, talk next week. Thanks, Rachel.